Welcome back to the Vine Church podcast. Today, we will be continuing our devotional series, The Gospel According to Zechariah. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Heart, and we'd love to have you join us over there. Good morning to you. Hi. Uh, so, I'm wearing the reading glasses today. There you go. Um, so, hi. Good to see you. Let's read Zechariah chapter 7, the first 10 verses. Really fascinating passage, this. Honestly, I mean, I've just poured over it and I think you'll find it really interesting. Uh, In the fourth year of King Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah on the fourth day of the ninth month, the month of Kislev. The people of Bethel had sent Shereza and Regemelech together with their men to entreat the Lord by asking the priests of the house of the Lord Almighty and the prophets, should I mourn and fast in the fifth month, as I have done for so many years? Then the word of the Lord Almighty came to me. Ask all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months months for the last 70 years, was it really for me that you fasted? And when you were eating and drinking, were you not just feasting for yourselves? Are these not the words the Lord proclaimed through the earlier prophets when Jerusalem and its surrounding towns were at rest and prosperous and the Negev and the western foothills were settled? And the word of the Lord had came to Zechariah. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the alien or the poor. In your hearts, do not think evil of each other. So we'll stop there. Um, But uh, there's more to come, of of course. But what's happened here? First of all, I'd like you to notice in verse one the date of this. This is uh, December 518 BC. So this is two years after Zechariah had had his Uh, memorable night of eight visions that we find recorded in chapters one through six. Now we're two years on. They've been building the temple for two years. There's just two more years to go before the temple will be completed. And they're making good progress. The foundations must have been built. The walls are going up. They've got their backing from Darius, the resources they need to get the job done. It's just two more years and they're making great progress. This horrible time where there had been no temple, where they could not gather to worship in Jerusalem, was about to come to an end. They could see light at the end of the tunnel. 19th of July, ring a bell with anybody? Something that we're hopefully all looking forward to as well. And so in the light of the progress that they are making in verse two, a delegation arrives in Jerusalem from Bethel. Now, Bethel was a town that was 12 miles north of Jerusalem, and it was a worship center, in fact, that had been set up by Jeroboam, son of Solomon. And he had put a golden calf there and it become a place of apostasy for the northern tribes of Israel. And um And and, uh, then they'd all gone into exile, of course, the north first and then the south. Now, through the exile, they'd learnt their lesson. 
people had come back and settled in Jerusalem, but also people had come back from Babylon and settled in the town of Bethel. But now in Bethel, they were not trying to have a separate worship center from Jerusalem. But instead, this delegation came down from Bethel and wanted to know what the priests and the prophets in Jerusalem had to say about the method and forms of worship that should be continued now that they're back in the land. And they looked to Jerusalem for guidance for their worship in Bethel in the northern town. And so this delegation arrived and they came and they asked the prophets, Zechariah, Haggai, the question, should we mourn and fast in the fifth month as we have done these many years? So the question for them is this, should we carry on fasting in the fifth month? Now, there'd only actually been one fast that God had ordered for his people in the Bible, and that was on the Day of Atonement. But after the exile had taken place and the destruction of Jerusalem, there were four further fasts that the people in exile had instituted in response to prophecies like Joel, who said, declare a fast uh, and, and cry out to God in, in the spirit of Psalm 137, where they said, by the rivers of Babylon, we laid down our harps and we mourned and we, we, we couldn't sing anymore. They're in Babylon, they're in exile. And so they commemorated the exile with four fasts. And we read, in fact, in chapter uh, seven, verse five, that there is a fast on the fifth month and on the seventh month of the year. And in chapter eight and verse 19, we read that there are, in fact, four fasts on the 10th month of the year, on the fourth, the fifth and the seventh month of the year. The 10th month of the year was the fast that commemorated the siege of Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar. The next one on the fourth month of the following year commemorated the breach of the city walls of Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar. On the fifth month, a month later, there was another fast day to commemorate the destruction of the city and of the temple by Nebuchadnezzar. And finally, the fourth fast on the seventh month was to commemorate the death, the assassination of Gedaliah, who was the last governor of Judah, of Jerusalem. He was a puppet king that had been put in there by the Babylonians and had been assassinated by some, uh, some extreme patriot Jews who didn't think that he was in the royal line. And so they'd assassinated him. But he was the last governor, the last ruler of Jerusalem. And so that was the end of an era for them. And so they marked that fourth, that fourth occasion with that fourth fast on the seventh month. Now, the question has come. Should we continue with these fasts? The bad days are nearly behind us. We're not mourning anymore. We're looking forward to a great, bright future. And, you know, we have to have these bank holidays whenever we fast and we're trying to build our houses. We're trying to re rebuild ourselves and we have to keep stopping. You know, we've got the three feast weeks of the year and then we also have to have the four fast days as well and, and so on. So do we, should we continue with this form of worship now that it's a new day for us? Do we really have to keep doing this? And uh, is it necessary? It's like, you know, kind of, should we continue to clap for the NHS? Well, no, things have kind of moved on. You know, we don't need to do this. It's a new season for us. 
And so interestingly, Zachariah doesn't actually answer their question directly. But instead, Zachariah gives them a sermon. And it's a searching expose of their hearts. You know how you ask a question of a pastor and instead of getting a simple answer, you end up with a big thing. You know, I had a discussion with my daughter last night and it ended up being a huge, long, interesting discussion about marriage. It was fascinating. I don't think she was reckoning on that when she came and asked a simple question, but she kept coming back to me and we had loads of debate. And God does that to us sometimes. You come to him with a simple question. He says, oh, actually, listen, I've got to talk to you about something. Not quite what you were saying, but but related to what you've just asked. And that's what Zachariah does. And he asks very searching questions. And in verse four, he says this, when you fasted, was it really for me? Or and was it really for me? And in verse five, he says, when you had your feasts at the end of your fasts, most likely, was it not for yourselves that you did those things? What were your motives when you were having these fasts? What was it all about? Was it actually self-pity? Was it actually just a ritual? Was it just that you kind of went through these fast days because you really like having this routine and these fast days and you, you're feeling sorry because of the consequences of what happened? The exile, it's a terrible thing. We're very sad about it. And we're kind of just really feeling sorry for ourselves. Or are you fasting actually in true repentance in an acknowledgement that, hey, God was right to send us into exile. We had sinned. It's true. We need to change. God, will you help us? We acknowledge that you are right. Or are we just feeling like a victim of our circumstances who are feeling sorry for ourselves? And it kind of makes me ask a big question to myself and to us. Why do we miss church? Hopefully we do. Why do we miss it? Why do we want to go back to church? Is it because we miss the things we get out of going to church? Or is it because we miss giving God glory as he deserves, as he demands from us? He requires it from us. Is it because we want God to be glorified in our lives because we want to meet with him and be changed by him? Or is it because we kind of enjoy that routine and that ritual and we get something out of it and we feel better for it? And actually, we do end up feeling better for it because we meet with God and it's wonderful. But what's the motivation? Are you doing this for God? And that's the question. And, and you know, it, it asks the same question for us in our ordinary lives as well. Let me ask you the question, you know, why are you going to work today? Why are you being a parent today? Why are you doing things for your wife or your husband today? Is it for yourself? Is it so you get praise from others? Is it so you get acknowledgement? Is it so whatever? Or is it for God? Are you acting in worship for God? Is it for worship that you're doing it? As it tells us in Colossians chapter three, whatever you do as a, a worker, do it as you're working for God, not for your boss. Do it as an act of worship to him. Do it for him. You know, when you're as a parent, you invest in your children and you don't get the praise and the thanks back. And actually, you know what? So what? You're doing it for God. It's an act of worship for him. Well done. You've done it for him. That's what counts when you do something for a friend or a partner or whatever. 
and actually you don't get what you were hoping back. But it was an act of worship to God. That should be the motivation. And if we're truly repentant, if we're truly changed by God, we will truly be different towards other people. And that's what Zechariah is going to go on to talk about. We'll look at this over the next couple of days, that actually signs of true repentance are that they show justice, that they show love and mercy, covenant mercy towards other people, that they don't take advantage of the poor, that they don't devise evil, that actually their worship is that they are following God, they're changed by God, they're not doing it for themselves but for his glory. In all of my worship, in all of my dealings, let me be pleasing. Uh, Let it be for you, O God. This is my worship. This is my worship uh, to glorify you, that song that I'm trying to quote. Let's make sure, let's ask God today that we do things for him and for his glory. Let us pray. Lord, we do pray that you will help us to do that today, to put you first, to seek you first, to be changed by you, to love people because we love you, to live for others because we're living for you. Help us to live lives of worship for your glory, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.